My name is Jared Doherty, and uh, I play drums in Screaming Females. For listeners that might not be familiar with you guys, let's get the backstory on how you met and how the band got together. I know you came on board a little bit after the other two, but if you could give us that story. For sure. Uh, So Screaming Females has been a band um, for 13 years, formed in 2005. Uh, I was at Rutgers University in New Brunswick, New Jersey, I was friends with some people who decided to try to get money out of the university to put out records uh, by forming a club that could get a stipend. And the first project, first and only project, really, was um, to do a compilation and just ask for submissions. And uh, so we just put a call out uh, to anybody who wanted to submit to it. My two favorite songs on the comp, uh, turned out, were both uh, projects that Marissa was doing. And, uh, which was exciting because they sounded really, really different from each other. And I had no idea that they were the same person. Um, and when we handed out the, uh, the CDs to everybody who was involved in the, in the project, uh, I handed them to Marissa and said, Hey, we should hang out sometime. Um, you seem cool. I like really like your, your songs on the comp. And, uh, we talked for a minute and I said, I play drums. And she said, we should play, uh, music together sometime and then from there i ended up playing drums very briefly in mike and Marissa's band that was on the conference called surgery on tv um mike was still in high school marissa was uh had just started her sophomore year of college at also workers and uh pretty soon after that the keyboard player of surgery on tv uh left to go to a different college and we renamed ourselves and had our first gig as Screaming Females. So this is the, the dreaded interviewer question. You, you knew it was coming down the line about the name, <laughs> the band name. Um, if you could tell us a little bit about that. And then I'm also curious about the reactions that you get. I know as a Screaming Females fan myself, I think when I tell people the band name, um, I think a lot of people have a certain expectation of what they're going to get. Uh, and that's not necessarily accurate. Um, and so I was, I was curious about also being a guy, you know, in the Screaming Females, if you could kind of tell us about the name and then the kind of reaction to the name and how that's fit into, um, you know, being a band for the last 13 years. How does that play into your day-to-day interaction, I guess, with the public? So the band name is not meant to be taken literally. I think it's, a, it's actually slightly bizarre that um, everyone, that pe- not everyone, that people often take it so literally. It's kind of like, uh, I think... Re- we tweeted something about it a few years ago and it became like a meme for a second. There was like thousands of people replying to it of, it was like hashtag band names taken literally. And somebody was like talking heads. I can't believe they have bodies as well. Like, you know? Uh, so, but also at the same time, I don't think it's a name, uh, that would be, uh, I don't know, appropriate or something for a band that was made up of all people who identified as men. Um, but uh, it's, you know, it's just a, like a, a combination of words that we came across and it seemed to have some power behind it. And to us, it was not about music. Um, it was about how it had this very vivid image that brought to mind a number of different things. And one of which uh, that I liked was the idea of just uh, instead of women being silenced, they're screaming and it's kind of like cathartic and also like... Uh, it's 
it's not just like, oh, women are talking, they're like screaming, you know. Um, moving on to talking about your, your new album that just came out, um, you have kind of branched out of this, what you tra- traditionally do here with the rap stuff that you're doing um, for the End of My Bloodline remix. Can you talk a little bit about that? And it's also worth noting you guys have done, if I'm not mistaken, a Taylor Swift cover too. So so definitely still surprising people with um, with some interesting additions to your style. Can you talk about that a little bit? When we formed the band, we never had, there's never a meeting where we were like, this band is going to sound like this. And I think that a lot of bands a lot of people, when they do form bands, that's one of the first things they talk about. I want the band to sound like a mix of this and this, you know, or I want the band to be in this genre of music. So uh, I think it's starting a band like that makes it so that it's a, you have a blueprint to work from, and that's probably like kind of uh, an easier way to approach things. But for us, Scream People has always just been whatever we want to do with it. Um, whatever me, Mike, and Marissa make together. So, yeah, we don't really think about having any limits on what we do. If we have an idea that somebody likes, then we run with it um, and develop it and see where it goes. And so those two particular examples, um, End of My Bloodline Remix, um, that song started out in some form or another as... uh, like a, a thing I had made on um, like modular synths and drum machines is this like uh, beat kind of thing. And then Marissa came over one day and was messing with it and started singing over top of it and we were chopping it up and doing stuff with it. And then um, when we were demoing for the new record, uh, Marissa brought up that, that demo and she had actually worked more on it, which was interesting and kind of unexpected. Um, so we tried to replicate it playing it live instruments. And then again, I didn't really think about it because it was just like kind of a momentary thing. And then when she, uh, she sent us one day a demo that she'd taken the parts that we played in that with live instruments and chopped them up and arranged it and then written a song out of it. So now suddenly we had this song that had started out as something I was messing around with with synthesizers and drum machines. So it sounded inherently different than a song that we would write starting with our normal instruments. And so we recorded the song. I really love it. It's one of my favorite ones on the album. And because of its origins, we decided it would be cool to try to do a remix of it because we've never really had another song that could easily be remixed. That one has just a straight head drum beat because it started as a uh, drum machine. So my brother is really talented um, with... uh, you know, all things computer, uh, digital audio work, workstations and all that. So he, I asked him to do a remix of it. He put it together. It sounded really cool. Um, and then uh, over the last few years, our, uh, the label that we've, our long-term label, Don Giovanni, has started to put out uh, a really broad array of artists. And one of those is uh, More Mother. We took uh, on a national tour with us and had a really great time. And Tomei is a super inspiring person who does a really broad uh, range of music that overall I, I just still think of as punk uh, in the end. But one of her many talents is that she's an incredible MC. So we asked her to be part of it. And then um, Samus, who's also in Don Giovanni and has been really killing it 
she has an incredible niche in the hip hop world that she's, uh, you know, growing her fan base and really like, uh, making a name for herself in. And it's very cool to see somebody like that on Don Giovanni, which started as a hardcore punk label, being able to utilize the resources and be supported by a really strong independent label while doing a completely different style of music. So for us, it's not that far off. You know, we just, we asked two people on our label that we're friends with to add something that was a track that the three, me, Mike and Marissa wrote together. And I had my brother work on to turn into a remix. So it's all just in the family there. And then, uh, as far as the Taylor Swift thing, that literally came down to, we got asked to do it for the AV undercover series, AV club undercover series, which they did for a number of years. And they send you a list of songs and ask you to cover one and, come in and play it in their office and we were kind of arguing over which song we should cover and then Mike was literally said uh, well the only reason to do this is for you know publicity really <laughs> so if we're going to pick a song we might as well pick the most popular song on the list because that'll be the one that'll get the most attention so that's why we picked Taylor Swift it seems like it worked <laughs> yeah <laughs> So I want to talk about the fact that you guys are a hard-working band. I mean, you're well-known as a DIY band. Um, but the thing that blows my mind is that you guys have been on the road since, like, 2005. I mean, it's so impressive. And that's something, you know, I was wondering if you could speak to that a little bit. Um, so as far as being on tour, we just love the tour. We've done it since the band started, uh, the community that we were involved in in New Brunswick that then expanded out into the in the United States, um, was, it was DIY punk and no one, the internet really wasn't the same as it is now. Um, and there was nobody writing about DIY punk at that point, except for, you know, fanzines and then maximum rock and roll and razor cake. So you really couldn't count on the internet or on media to get your music into the world. So people just went on tour. You, recorded stuff yourself you released it yourself and then you went on tour and you sold people at shows and it was just a really really amazing and vibrant touring network that was also just like living you know just getting to go around the country and experience what people were doing in their own communities and seeing how people were trying to live outside of the dominant system and it was just inspiring and fun you know, uh, it wasn't like a stepping stone to anything. It was just, it was just life. So I think that, uh, we got infected with that road lifestyle really early on. And now we've been doing it for, you know, I mean, Mike started touring when he was 17. So he's been doing it his entire adult life and it's just like a second home for us and we love it. And it's a super fulfilling thing to be able to have a mission every day, a clear goal, that you have to get to the spot by a certain time, you have to load in, sound check, you know, get your dinner, get back, watch the show, play the show, and regardless if it goes over well or bad or you make if people are there or not or if you make horrible mistakes or you have like a transcendent moment on stage, it's done once it's done. There's really very few things in most people's lives where they get to have like that. Most people's lives when you go to work, uh you know, you have some project or whatever that if you don't get it right, you got to redo it, et cetera, et cetera. It seems like things are never quite done. But 
that experience on the road is, is really fulfilling to be able to just leave it behind for better or worse every night and have a new goal every day that you can, you know, it's going to get accomplished one way or another. Awesome. Well, we super appreciate your time. I can speak for the rest of the front range here that we're really excited to have you come to town in October. Um, and really glad to hear that you're enjoying this tour as the best yet. That says a lot from all the touring you've done. I'm glad to hear it. Thank you. Appreciate it.